0: You ready for this appetizer? Yes, yeah. All right, here we go. John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. All right, that's the gospel, correct? Verse 11, believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Believe my words when I say that I am one with the Father or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Okay, what evidence was Jesus referring to? He was referring to the miraculous works that he performed as evidence that he was the son of God. He healed the sick, he cast out demons, he raised the dead. He performed miracles that only the one true God in heaven could do thus providing the evidence that he was in fact the Messiah, the Son of God, the only way to the Father. And then verse 12, this is the real shocker. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. Okay, who are the believers here? Who are the believers? You are the believers. And Jesus says, very truly, he's saying, I ain't kidding here. You who believe in me will do the miraculous works that I have been doing as evidence I am am the son of God. Do you believe what Jesus just said here? That you, you, you're a nameless, faceless believer, right? You're not some big shot on TV. (laughs) You're just little old you. But you are going to be doing the works that Jesus did, the miracles that Jesus did as evidence to backslidden believers that Jesus is the Son of God, He's coming soon, they must repent. Do you believe this? Yes, that's what we're going to be training you to do next weekend. How to perform miracles as Jesus did. These miracles will bring backslidden Christians back to the Lord their God during these last days. Okay, you see the purpose of this training, okay? Many will be healed, but the healing will not simply be a blessing to the body of Christ. Of course, if you are healed, it's a blessing to you, of course. But the greater blessing is backslidden believers, Christians coming back to the Lord, their God, before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Okay, that's the purpose of the training, to make ready a people prepared for the second coming of the Messiah. Now, but first, once more, let's look once more at the primary purpose of the miracles Jesus performed, okay? I just want to remind you, what was the primary purpose? John 20, verse 30, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name All of those miracles are written Why so that people will come back to the Lord their God? You see when Jesus came did he came did he come to heal sick believers was that why he came to heal sick believers? There were not any believers when he came (laughs) He came to save the lost That's why he performed the miracles, so that the lost would put their faith in him and thus receive eternal life. You get that? He didn't come to heal sick believers. He came to save the lost. And that's why he performed miracles, so that the lost would repent and come to him as Lord and Savior for the forgiveness of their sins. Okay? So, please remember the primary purpose of the miracles which we will teach you how to perform. Amen? So it's not just a blessing for believers, but it is to bring God's backslidden people back to him during these last days. So next weekend, we're going to train you how to heal the sick in the context of proclaiming the kingdom of God to the lost and backslidden who are outside the church. And that's exactly the context in which Jesus and his disciples healed the sick. They healed the sick as evidence that Jesus was the Messiah. And because of that evidence, many lost souls came to Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. Now, a caveat. Ministering to infirm believers, for example, in a church service or in a prayer room, is in a different context. And therefore, it can be different from what we are going to study next weekend. You got that? Ministering to saved believers, that's a different context. And it can and will be different from what we are going to be studying next weekend, which will be how to heal the sick in the context of proclaiming the kingdom of God to the lost and the backslidden, all right? Context is very, very important. Now, let's look at the ministry of Jesus Christ. And again, he came to save the lost, not simply to perform healings. The healings carried a far greater significance than simply physical healing. They were the evidence that he was the Messiah. Exactly how did Jesus preach the gospel and then heal the sick and oppressed as evidence that he was the savior? Well, let's take a very detailed look in order to learn how to be effective and consistent sharpshooters in healing the sick. You see, I've seen some movies about sharpshooters and I've noticed that in order to be effectively trained as a sharpshooter, you gotta pay attention to the details like the time of day, uh, the altitude, uh, the longitude, the latitude, the temperature, the curvature of the earth, all of these details you have to take into account before you can actually hit the target, all right? We're going to train you to be sharpshooters in the area of healing, okay? So we're going to take a detailed look at our master, our teacher, Jesus Christ. Exactly how did he heal the sick? We're going to look at the details. And when we follow those details, we're going to see people healed miraculously. Amen. All right? All right. Luke 4 verse 31. Then he went, he went down to Capernaum, the city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbaths. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now notice, they were astonished because his word was not simply words, but it had Authority, supernatural authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon and he cried out with a loud voice saying, let us alone, what have we to do with you Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? So we're gonna see how Jesus handled this situation in which while he was teaching, suddenly a man with a demon stood up and began to shout and scream and create a scene. But let me ask the question, What might a typical believer do when facing a demon possessed person manifesting right next to them in church? Well, some of us might run, let's be honest, okay? Not all of you, but some of us might run because we have never encountered such a situation and we are not taught what to do in such a situation, okay? But running, do you think is a very spiritual thing to do? You think it's pleasing to the Lord? No. We are taught to be spiritual in everything we do, every thought, every deed, every action must be spiritual, right? Yeah, that's what good Christians do. So what would a good Christian do in such a situation? How about pray to God? Can't get any more spiritual than that. How many of you would pray to God in such a situation? Raise your hand. Okay, we have only a few spiritual people here, I see. Okay. And if you happen to be spirit-filled, you might pray in tongues. How many of you might pray in tongues in such a situation? Okay. Okay, We got a lot of spiritual people here, I see. Uh, And how many of you might even prophesy to that man? Like, I proclaim you are set free from this demon. Some of you might prophesy to him, okay? And some of you might do the following. You would close your eyes and you say, Father, in the name of Jesus, we command this demon to come out. Okay, how many of you would do that? Okay, thank you. What might a scripturally well-trained believer do? And the answer is, he or she would do exactly what Jesus did. Would you agree? If you are really well-trained according to the Bible, you would do what Jesus did, all right? Let's see what Jesus did. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be quiet and come out of him. Jesus rebuked him, meaning the demon, And he commanded him to be quiet and to come out. Did Jesus pray for this man, yes or no? Did he pray to God? No. But some of you might have. Okay. Do you think Jesus closed his eyes? Because when you close your eyes, it's real spiritual. When you close your eyes, God shows up and miracles take place, right? No, that's not in the Bible. Do you think Jesus, how many of you think Jesus might have closed your eyes, his eyes? Okay, good, good, fine. That's the right answer. He did not close his eyes. Uh, Was there any, did Jesus say, hallelujah, thank you, Father? Did he say anything at all to his father during this? No, No, he did not. Correct. But you know, when we're confronted with such a situation, you know what we like to say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, right? (laughs) Some of us, when you're trying to cast out a demon or heal the sick, you would say, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Jesus said nothing at all to his father. Did Jesus say, Father, we command this demon to be quiet and to come out of him? No. Yes or no? No. no. But some of you would have, right? I guess you're not really scripturally well-trained, huh? You're not doing exactly what Jesus did, correct? No, you're not, okay? Uh, were there any prophetic words directed at the man by Jesus? No. But some of you might have engaged in some prophetic action, right? Hmm, I see. What Jesus did was a 100% command, directed at the demon. He said nothing to the man. He said nothing to God. It was completely directed at the demon, at the enemy. You see the principle here. I'm going to be teaching you these principles. What was the result? The demon threw him in their midst. It came out of him and did not hurt him. So a miracle took place. How did Jesus do this miracle? Was it by prayer? No, was it by prophesying? No, it was by exercising the authority given to him by his father. His father gave him authority over demons. And how do you exercise authority? Not by praying to God or prophesying, but by issuing a command directly to that which is under your authority. Correct? It's so obvious. It's so obvious. But God's people do not understand authority in the realm of the Spirit. We have never been taught. We understand authority outside the church, but inside the church, in the realm of the Spirit, in the realm of ministry, we have not been taught authority. Next weekend, I will be teaching you authority in the realm of the Spirit. Authority over sicknesses, infirmities, and demons they were all amazed and spoke among themselves saying what a word this is what word did Jesus say that amazed them the word was be quiet and come out of him that amazed the people why the people were amazed because Jesus did not pray to God for this man before Jesus arrived on the scene If someone was demonized, the only thing they could do would be to cry out to God because only God has authority over demons. Amen? Amen. Only God has authority over demons. But this man, Jesus, did not pray to God. Instead, he spoke directly to the demon, issued a command to him with authority, and the evil spirit obeyed. Therefore, they realized that this man, Jesus, had authority like God. And they were amazed. Who is this man? He's got supernatural authority like God in heaven. Do you see why they were amazed? He didn't pray. He didn't pray. He just gave a command. And the demon obeyed. And the demon is a spirit being. Now, because Jesus was given authority over demons by his father... He did not need to pray and ask the Father to set the demonized man free. No, he simply gave commands to the demons ordering them to leave and because they were under his authority, they left. As simple as that. Whatever is under your authority must obey your commands, whatever it is. Authority is not exercised by praying to God and leaving the results up to Him. No. Authority is not exercised by prophesying, no, but rather by issuing a command to that which is under our authority, amen? Let me give you a very simple example. How many of you have a pet dog at home? All right, some of you have a pet dog. Now, the dog should be under your authority, correct? If he's not, whose fault is it? It's your own fault if your dog is not under your authority. You're the master, the dog is you. Pet, you should have authority over him. Let's say one day your dog is standing in front of you and you want him to sit. Would you pray to God and ask God to make him sit? We're supposed to to pray about everything, right? Aren't we supposed to pray about everything? So we want our dog to sit. Why don't we pray to God and make him sit? How many of you are so spiritual you would do that? Okay, not many spiritual people here, I see. The answer is obvious. God has given us authority over our dog, correct? If we want him to sit, what do we say to him? Sit. Sit. Do I close my eyes and say, Hallelujah, Jesus, sit. (laughs) Yes? Yes? No. Do we say, Father, I command you to sit. Do we do that, yes or no? No. How about prophecy? I proclaim you sitting right now. I, I, I declare that you sit. I decree that you sit. Do we do that? No. It's not necessary to pray or prophesy. Why? Because the dog is under our authority. Get it? <laughs> so what do we say? Sit. Okay? We don't have to declare a decree. Just say sit. and he better sit. Right? What if he doesn't sit? Do we say, oh, Jesus help? Yeah? If your dog doesn't sit, do you cry out to God? No. What do you do? You roll up your sleeves and say, hey, you know who feeds you? Me. You better sit, sit, sit. You make him sit. Because you've got authority over him. You're bigger than he is. That is authority. That's how you deal with diseases and demons, by the way. Exactly the same way. That is what we will be teaching next weekend. So you better come. Now, how did Jesus deal with a purely physical infirmity where there was no demon involved at all? Okay? No demon. No demon, just physical infirmity, like like you get a bad fever, okay? Well, let's see. Jesus left the synagogue and went to the home of Simon. Simon's mother-in-law was suffering from a high fever. They asked Jesus to help her. What did Jesus do? Jesus bent over her and rebuked the fever and it left her. What did Jesus do? Did he pray to God and leave the results up to him? Did he ask God to heal her? No. no. Did Jesus prophesy over her? No. I proclaim you are healed. I declare you are healed. Did he do that, yes or no? No. Did Jesus say anything at all to his father? No, no, no. no. Did he say, Father, I rebuke this fever? Yes or no? No. no. He spoke directly to the fever. It was a pure command directed at the fever. It was a rebuke. Just like Jesus rebuked the demon in the synagogue, he performs the exact same action on the fever. It's the, same, it's the same verb in the Greek, rebuke. He rebuked the demon in the synagogue. He rebukes the fever in Peter's mother-in-law. Exactly the same Greek word, exactly the same action. He spoke to the fever and gave a command to it. Something like, go, leave. And did the fever leave? (laughs) Yes, Yes, it left her. Okay? So we see that Jesus often used authority to heal the sick, right? Authority. Meaning he would speak directly to the infirmity. And because it was under his authority, it would obey. Authority. Jesus also used power to heal the sick. Power is different from authority. Luke 4, verse 40. When the sun was setting, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Here we see Jesus healing the sick by laying hands on them. He's not rebuking anything. He's not saying a word, but he's just laying hands on the sick and they're being healed. So he's not using authority, but here he is using power. See, what happens is Jesus had healing power resident within his body. And when he would lay hands on the sick, the healing power would flow into the sick person. Luke 6, 19, all the people tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. Sometimes people would not wait for Jesus to lay hands on them, but they would (laughs) go lay hands on Jesus instead. And when physical contact was made, healing power would flow out of Jesus into the sick person to heal them. A very graphic instance is the woman with the bleeding. As you recall, Mark 5, 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because if she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. She thought, if I just make physical contact with Jesus by touching his cloak, I'm going to be healed. What happened? Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. When she touched his cloak, she felt something happening in her body. You know what I believe she felt? The healing power of Jesus Christ enter her body and heal her. She could feel it. Verse 30, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. The healing power that was resident in him had gone out from him to heal her. You got that? And so that's... Often, how Jesus would heal the sick, using authority and power, or sometimes one or sometimes the other. But it was very often a combination of power and authority. Now, okay, we see how Jesus healed the sick, using authority and power, but what does it have to do with us? Huh? I mean, we're not Jesus. He's in heaven and we're on earth. So, what does it have to do with us? Well, Where does Jesus reside at this moment through the Holy Spirit? Can you point to him, please? Where is he? Ah, yes. The Jesus Christ who healed the sick with power and authority. He lives in you through the Holy Spirit, right? Therefore, his power and authority are available in you and My job is to teach you how to use this power and authority effectively to actually heal the sick and cast out demons to bring back God's backslidden people to him during these last days. That's my job next weekend. Exactly how do you use this power and authority, which is already in you? You have powerful weapons already in you, but you're not taught how to use these weapons. How do you use this power and authority to heal the sick? Consistently, not just once in a while, not just once in the blue moon, but consistently every time you preach the gospel, you can heal the sick. It's evidence that He is the Son of God. And so we disciples can also lay hands on the sick to heal them because Jesus Christ lives in us through the Holy Spirit. Let me just, let's look at one instance here, Jesus healing a leper. Luke 5 verse 12, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. And the man said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Okay, so in verse 13, Jesus heals the man, correct? Did Jesus wait for uh, the leading of the Holy Spirit before healing him? No, he did not. He simply said, I am willing. I have the authority to do so, and I am willing to heal you. (laughs) And so Jesus healed him. How did he do it? He touched the man. What happened happened when he touched the man? What flowed? Power. Power. And then he said, be clean. What is he doing there? He's exercising what? Authority. There you go again. He's using power and authority. And the man was healed. The leprosy left him. See? See? You don't have to wait for a word of knowledge. You don't have to wait for a rhema from the Holy Spirit before healing someone when you are proclaiming the kingdom of God to them. You don't need it. If you do receive a rhema, wonderful. If you do have a word of knowledge, wonderful. Go with it. But if you don't, you are not helpless. You already have this power and authority in you to use whenever you want in the context of proclaiming the kingdom of God to the lost. Okay? And so next weekend, we will teach you how to proclaim the gospel of repentance in the spirit and power of Elijah, that is, with extreme boldness and manifest power, just like Elijah at Mount Carmel. We're going to teach you how to proclaim the kingdom of God with that kind of extreme boldness and manifest power, that is people are going to be miraculously healed. Amen? Amen. See, nowadays, we don't ask God to send fire down from heaven. That was Old Testament. Nowadays, people are going to be healed. That will be the evidence. Amen? Amen? Miraculous healing, people set free from demons, that is equivalent to the fire from heaven in the Old Testament. And the purpose of all this, to bring God's backslidden people back to Him. During these last days, all right, that will be the purpose of the training. Because today in America, so many backslidden Christians, amen. There are more backslidden Christians outside the church than in the church, right? They're all out there. They were brought up in church, but now they're they're worshiping Baal. They're worshiping greed. They're they're, they're falling into greed and lust. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, they're worshiping Baal, right? It's going to be our job to bring them back to the Lord. And the Lord has equipped us with weapons to do so. The spirit and power of Elijah, authority, supernatural power and authority of Jesus Christ living in you. The spirit of power of Elijah upon you. And in that way, you will be well equipped to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Just like John the Baptist did 2,000 years ago, the Lord will use you to make ready a people prepared for the second coming of the Messiah. We will teach you how to heal the sick miraculously and cast out demons, exactly as Jesus did. As compelling evidence to the lost and backslidden that Jesus is the Messiah, thus bringing them to repentance during these last days. Amen?